0: Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. I guess if you're looking for a title of this, it's The Gift That Keeps On Giving. You ever had a gift that keeps on giving? Or you heard that expression before? I remember one year, not too long ago, at Christmas time, my entire family got the swine flu. Remember the swine flu? And it just kept getting passed on from one person to another. So Christmas Day was a blur. I don't know who got it first, but we all got it pretty quickly. It was the gift that just kept on giving. That's not the kind of gift you want to keep giving, but that's what we ended up having. So we had an isolated, inoculated, don't open the door Christmas at our house. It wasn't so great. But I have had some gifts that I would consider the gift that keeps on giving that have actually been a good thing. They've been beneficial. I remember one year, my parents bought us a new washer and dryer. And I think we may have had, gosh, we've had that for quite a bit of time now. Um, I don't know if we had all three kids at the time, but we had, you know, the regular top end loader, washing machine, and, you know, old, cheap old dryer that had kind of done the job. But in Australia, they have a term called u butte. We found the U Butte washer and dryer, like U Beauty. That's an expression they have. And it was like the, the, the Mercedes Benz Rolls Royce of washer dryers, this Samsung washing machine. I remember just looking at that thing, thinking, if we just had that washer dryer, how much more simple would our lives be? And my parents bought us that washer and dryer. I couldn't believe it. Like it sits on a pedestal, so it's up nice and high. It's got its, in fact, the washer dryer was so nice. We redid the whole laundry room because it made our laundry room look terrible. You can't have a nice Samsung washing machine in a a dumpy old laundry room, so we redid the whole laundry room, and then we had to redo the whole downstairs room, and then we had, you know how that goes when you start fixing stuff in your house? But I remember this washing machine just thinking, I had no idea how much this would be the gift that keeps on giving because it just made life so much easier once we had three kids who like to dirty clothes at a rate I have never seen before in my entire life. I can't believe how many dirty clothes, three kids. Any parents, give me some help here, how many dirty clothes they can have. And to have an efficient, highly efficient washing machine and dryer. Now, if they could just invent the machine that folds them and puts them away in the drawer, I would pay whatever price is required for that. But I remember, it's just like every year, I just, I, I look at this washing machine, and I'm like, thank you, Jesus. This is just the gift that keeps on giving. And I was thinking about, just throughout the course of human history, as I was thinking about some of these great gifts that I've gotten at Christmas, and, you know, when you look at the, the history of, really, mankind. Certainly Israel as a nation, and even us today, we always somehow end up getting into a situation that we just can't get ourselves out of. Anybody been in a, in a jam and you can't get yourself out of this jam? And It's kind of been the history of mankind, and yet God had a solution every single time. But as I was reading through the Bible, I noticed that God's solution always involves a gift. It always involves a gift. The Bible says in the beginning that when the earth was formless and void, God spoke the world into being. He just said, let there be light, and there was light that shined. And as far as I know, it hasn't stopped shining since then. But when we had a problem with darkness, God gave us this gift of light. God's solution always involves a gift. When we had no place to stand because it was just water, he goes, oh, I'm, I'm going to create land. And he, he creates land, and then he separates water from land. How many of you know if it's not a fish? If you're not a fish, it's nice to have some place to put your feet. He gave us, what? You don't have anywhere to stand? I'm going to create land. Hadn't even created us yet, but God's answer was this gift of land. But then he creates us just out of dust, and when you think about it, all he did was take some dust and put it together in in some kind of a form that looks like us today, but there was no life in us, and so God gave us the gift of life. The Bible says he breathed his breath. He put his spirit into us, and we became a living being. Then here we are, here's Adam, he's got life, but he's got no place to live, And so God gives him the gift of a perfect place called Eden where he can live and not have to farm. He doesn't have to kill animals. Everything he needed was just right there. Every time we lack something, God gives. And then even in this garden, Adam realizes he's alone, except for God. So God gifts him Eve. What a great gift that was. And then... Here he is in the garden with Eve, but yet he's surrounded by animals that can potentially kill him. So God gives them both authority over all of the animals and all of the birds and all of the fish. Unfortunately, when when sin entered the world because of Adam and Eve's disobedience, we actually gave that authority away. God gave us authority, but we gave it away through our disobedience. But there's an end of that story that gets even better. When we had no direction, God gives us the law. He gave us instructions on how to live life in the Old Testament. They're not just a list of rules and regulations. For the people at the time, it was direction. How do we live? We don't know how to live. And God said, I will show you how to live and I'll give you the law. But then they end up in slavery again because of their disobedience and God gives them the gift of freedom from Egypt. He breaks them out of their bonds, and they're free. But now, here they are out of slavery, having been given the gift of freedom, now they've got no food. Can you see that we keep ending up in a place where we're unable to provide for ourselves even the most basic necessities for life? But when God sees that we lack something, God's solution always involves a gift. So God creates this stuff called manna. Manna, literally you go out into the desert and in the morning there would be dew. And when the dew raised, there would be these little flakes of stuff on the ground. And the word manna means what is it? Because they couldn't explain it. But when they gathered it together, they could make bread from it. God gave them food from heaven to eat while they're in the desert. But then they go, well, food's great, but we're in a desert. We need some water. We've run out of water. God goes, well, there's a rock over there. It just hit the rock, and water flows from a rock. God gives them the gift of food. He gives them the gift of water. But God, this desert, I mean, it gets kind of hot during the day. No problem. I'm going to give you a cloud. I'm going to give you shade. I will gift you shade. Well, what about at night? The desert gets cold at night. No problem. I'm going to give you a pillar of fire at night. So you have a cloud in the day to shade you, and a pillar of fire at night to be light and to be warmth for you. There's no need that we have that God doesn't have a gift to meet that need. He is a giving God. you know why? Because it's what dads do. I don't know a good father whose focus on Christmas is about what they get from their kids. I, I don't know many fathers like that, that sit around, do nothing for their kids, and are expecting a great gift to come their way. Most of the dads I know, all of you, are just so excited to see your kids open up the gift that you've gotten for them. Sometimes that's a greater gift than whatever tie or tie or tie that you get from them. <laughs> but even with all these gifts, the Israelites realized that they were still homeless, lost and homeless even though their basic needs were provided for. So God didn't just build them a shelter. He didn't just buy them a tent. He says, oh, no, no, no. I've got a land flowing with milk and honey for you. And I am leading you there if you'll just trust me and obey me. I have a gift of a promised land waiting for you. They just had to get there. That was the problem. And there was a moment in Israel's history when they were feeling a little bit leaderless, And so God gives them a king even when that's not really what they needed. Sometimes God gives us gifts that we ask for that are not good for us to show us that maybe it's sometimes better to ask God what we need than ask God for what we want. But yet God still gives them things that they don't even need just because He loves them. And then because of their disobedience again, Israel ends up in captivity and yet God gives them freedom again and brings them back to the place that He had designed for them for the beginning of time. God's solution always involves a gift. We sang in this song, O Holy Night. It's one of my favorite, <laughs> it's one of my favorite songs, and I forgot how hard it was to sing. <laughs> it's got these really high notes to it, you know. And uh, my voice just kind of disappears in the middle of it. But one of the lyrics in that song is, "Long lay the world in sin and error pining." You know what that means? For so long, we just were lost in our sin and our error. We somehow missed God in this whole process. But yet, when we lack, He gives. Ephesians chapter two verse 12. I love this scripture. We'll put it on the screens for you, if uh, if you don't have your Bibles here tonight. In Ephesians chapter two, verse twelve, hopefully the guys got it to put it on the screens. The apostle Paul writes, and he says, "Remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. That was our condition." We were without hope, and we were without God in the world. We put ourselves in that position. But God's solution, again, is a gift. That same song that says, Long lay the world, and sin and error pining, then says, Then He appeared, and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. You see, when we fell short, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you've fallen short? Have you ever felt like, man, I keep trying, but it's never quite good enough? I mean, I'm doing my best. I'm doing everything I can, but sometimes your best just isn't good enough. I know that I felt that way sometimes. Well, that's the problem is we kept falling short. The Bible says, for we have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's a continual falling short. All of our good deeds, all of our good works, our good thoughts, all of our gift giving is never enough to solve the sin problem that we have in our own hearts. You see, there was no way... That I could ever earn my way into God's presence. Because He's a holy God. He's without sin. He's perfect and He's holy. And the problem with having a perfect place like heaven is that if me, who was slightly less than perfect, I don't know why you're laughing, much farther from perfect than I could possibly imagine. If you put an imperfect person in a perfect place, what happens to the perfect place? It's no longer perfect, right? But what God did was used his perfection to perfect my imperfection. It's almost as if you know the story that if you have a rotten apple and you put it in a barrel, what happens to all the other apples? They all go bad. They all go rotten. But in the kingdom of God, because of this gift that I'm about to tell you about, God makes the rotten apple good again. Boy, that goes against, like, science. That goes against human nature. But it's the way that the kingdom actually works, and it's why God came. Because when we fell short, God's solution was a gift. But this time, the gift was not a pillar of fire. The gift was not a cloud. The gift was not food. The gift was not water. The gift was not even the promised land. The gift was himself. God gave himself. And when you talk about what Christmas is all about, I promise you, it's not just about a baby in a manger. Because often we think about that baby and and what the baby becomes in Jesus, but Sometimes I think we forget of what it took to get that baby to us. God gave of Himself. God came to live with us. The Christmas story is not about us trying to get to heaven because of the good things that we do. The story of Christmas is that heaven came to us. We couldn't earn it. We don't deserve it. And so God said, wait there! I'm coming to you. You don't have to earn it, and you couldn't if you wanted to, but I am giving myself to you. God chose to live with us. Now, I don't know about you. I wouldn't live with me. I'm not the person I would choose for myself as a roommate. I can be a little bit messy sometimes. You all got really quiet. Compared to my wife, Romy, I'm like this tornado of household destruction and, and sloppiness. We were laughing because I asked her for Christmas Eve, because Christmas in Australia, it's a big meal. That's a big deal. So, kind of, we have Thanksgiving and Christmas. Well, in Australia, their Christmas is kind of like Thanksgiving and Christmas combined. So, it's always involved around a big meal and lots of family. And uh, so I said, Look, for Christmas Eve, can I cook you? this big, beautiful, amazing dinner, and she laughed And because my kids, if they know that I'm cooking, they said, look, I'll do the dishes so long as dad's not cooking, so we roster, like the kids take turns who does dinner dishes every night, and they fight over who has to do it after I cook because how many of you know men cook in the kitchen a little bit differently than women do? Okay, I cook in the kitchen a little bit different. Some people clean as they go. What's the point in that? Just make the mess and then clean it all up at the end. And then your wife will come behind you and properly clean all the things that you missed in the process. I would not choose to live with me. I honestly wouldn't. But that's what God does. He gives of Himself. And think about this God Himself, Jesus, goes from the right hand of God, like in all authority over heaven and earth, where the streets are paved with gold. There's pearly gates, there's no weeping, there's no mourning, it's perfection. God leaves that place to come down inside the womb of a 16-year-old unwed and poor little girl in a manger. You know what a manger is? It's a stall. It's like a horse stall full of smelly animals with poop everywhere and just disgusting That's where He came. I would not have written that story that way. I would imagine the Savior of the world coming on a white shining horse and eliminating all of the injustice of this world and telling us what's up. But that's not how Jesus chose to come the first time. In humility, He reduced Himself to the size of a human seed placed inside the womb of a scared teenage girl. Jesus was a gift. The funny thing about gifts, though, I don't have my kids work for their Christmas gifts. They don't have to earn them. I don't have a list of chores, and if they have, do all their chores, then they'll get a gift at Christmas. They're going to get a gift Not because of what they've done. They're going to get a gift because of who I am and who their mother is. The gift is given out of our heart and love for them, not because of the things that they've done for us. You don't earn gifts, they're given freely. And when Jesus came, he, man, he performed miracles. He healed people. He taught us about the kingdom. He served. You know, there was one moment when he actually washed his disciples' feet? Teachers don't do that. They have their feet washed by their disciples, right? And he goes, no, no, no. This is what leadership looks like. I'm going to wash your feet. And he turns everything on its head, everything they thought they knew about leadership, everything they thought they knew about earning God's favor and God's love, he just flips it on his head and says, you've done nothing to earn my love, and I love you anyway. And this is what leadership looks like in this kingdom. It's not about me being served. It's not about you being served. It's about you serving others. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 6, it says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ dies for us. He not only came to live with us, he came to die for us in our place. That's amazing to me. And when did he come? He came at just the right time. Just the right time. When we were completely powerless to save ourselves, is when he came. What they did to him was that they put him on a tree. And I know this is a Christmas tree. Some would say that these things just have pagan origins and no Christian should have Christmas trees. We can make that tree say whatever we want it to say. But he was put on a tree, sacrificed for me and for you. Because the gift was not just here to teach us, the gift was to be the sacrifice for us to free us from our sins so that we can live with him forever in our hearts and in his perfect paradise called heaven. But he also came to bring heaven here on earth. He was placed on a tree, an object of scorn and ridicule. Something that looked like ultimate defeat was in reality the greatest victory the world has ever known. And when he was placed on that tree, the cross, it smelled like death to those who were perishing. Because those who were expecting the Savior of the world to come in and set things right, that did not look like victory to them. But to those who believed, it was the sweet smell of salvation. It's what they had been looking for all this time. Jesus was indeed... The gift that kept on giving. In Acts chapter 2, verse 33, it says, Exalted to the right hand, speaking of Jesus, Exalted to the right hand of God, He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and poured out what you now see and hear. So, not only did Jesus come to sacrifice for us so that we can be with him. But when he ascended into heaven, he left us the Holy Spirit. He sent the Holy Spirit. That is who we have living in and through us all of the time. It's what makes us the sons and daughters of the living God. When I look at presents like this under a tree, maybe you've never seen it this way, but I'm starting to see, God, when I'm Looking at this Christmas tree, it's not just a beautiful tree, but it's a reminder that you were put on a tree. And that tree's empty now. You were put on a tree for our salvation, but when you left, you left gifts under the tree for us. Under that tree is words of knowledge and prophecy and gifts of healing and gifts of teaching. There's apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists and pastors Those are what that you've left for us. It's a picture to me of the sacrifice that provided for our salvation and the gift of the Holy Spirit and the church that he left for us. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 says this is why it says, when he ascended on high and took many captives and gave gifts to his peoples. When Jesus ascended into heaven, Those are the gifts that he's left for us. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just a spooky, weird feeling. It's not the force. How many have seen Star Wars? I won't say any spoilers right here. Best Star Wars yet, better than all the others combined. Just want to say that. That's enough controversy here. I got a few. Mm, Okay. Yeah, it was. Just want to throw it out there. I lost half of you right now. That's okay. It's not the force. It's not this weird, spooky thing. The Holy Spirit is a person. And He can indwell us, which means if we let Him in, He is the deposit that is the assurance of the salvation that we have in Him. And He will empower us to become more like Jesus. And He will empower us to overcome everything the enemy would throw at us. He has empowered many in this church to overcome physical ailments. Whether it's being healed of cancer, whether it's Drake's knee last week that got healed in our service, whether it's a kidney that got healed from a word of knowledge. No matter what it is, the Holy Spirit is the thing God gave us to give us authority over all of the sicknesses that we encounter. It's the power that he's given us to heal marriages, to heal families, to bring sons back to their fathers and daughters back to their mothers. It's the power within us to do the will of our Father here on this this earth. Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. And He's given us the Holy Spirit. God's solution is always a gift. It's always a gift. I will. (laughs) I will. And we, as sons and daughters, we now have the ability to also give because we've been given too. Hey Dez, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. This is Desiree. Say hi, everybody. I'm gonna I got two microphones, I forgot. I'm gonna put this microphone here. I did not tell Desiree that she was going to be uh, in front of the whole church here tonight. But Desiree is a mom in our church who went through the worst thing a mom could ever experience and she lost one of her children this past year due to a tragic accident. She has two other kids, Anthony and Lexi. They're five and going to be three pretty soon. And we're paused. I got you. You can hear me though, right? Good, good. So, we know that Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. And we as a church decided that we can live in that same spirit. And we can also provide for those who maybe didn't have the Christmas that they had hoped for. As this family is living through a difficult time, Christmas can be difficult when you've lost a loved one and it's the first Christmas without. And so what we were able to do, Des... I'm going to flip the camera around. All these gifts that are under this tree right now, they're all for your kids. This is our church family that knew that because we've received such a gift from God, that He has given us a love for you and your kids. And every single one of these, I don't know if you can see that, but they have the names of your kids on each and every one of them. Can you hear me? I don't know if you can see that or not, but I'm going to send you a picture. We were going to surprise Desiree with this, and then she surprised us and drove to Omaha to meet her sister for the weekend. Sometimes surprises are better off not being surprises, you know what I mean? That was 100% my lack of planning that did that, by the way. But it's okay because the glory of FaceTime is among us. And so we just want you to know that we love you. And Anthony, Lexi, you guys are probably in that car too. We want you to know that you're going to have to wait till Christmas to open up all these gifts, but there's a whole lot of them here for you because we love you, we believe in you, you have a huge future and a destiny, and you have an amazing mom, you have an amazing grandma and great-grandparents, and we thank the world of you. So these are here for you when you get back, okay? It is, it is. We love you. Can we all say Goodbye. To them as they're driving home. I should probably flip the camera so they can actually see everybody. (laughs) All right, we'll see you, Dez. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Isn't that beautiful? You know, when you've received a gift, I I love that I just sent a text message out to a couple of people. And I just said, hey, if you guys can just bring a gift for the kids, I don't know what Christmas is gonna look like for them. And you guys overwhelmed us. I got to admit, I wasn't surprised because I know what's in you. And I know that when you've had a taste of freedom and when you have a taste of the gift God's given you and when you have not only received his gift of salvation but you've opened your heart to allow the gift of the Holy Spirit to come in you, that the only natural part is that you have become like Jesus and now you have become the giver just like him. So these kids, they'll be home sometime, probably late tonight, but we're going to make sure they get those gifts and they're going to have one heck of a Christmas. Not only that, but every kid here, there's also a gift for you under that tree too because one of our families just said, well, I got to get gifts for other kids too. So uh, if it doesn't have Lexi or Anthony's name on it, every, every one of you kids gets one of those presents that's under there. Um, you guys can probably help me out with that because I'm not sure which ones they are. But on behalf of Romy and I, can I just tell you, thank you. Thank you for what you've done. You've loved this family. It is not looked for it. They've not asked for a thing. And you just continue to pour out love for them. And Christmas can be great for them this year. So thank you. Thank you. I just want to close with this. God knows how to give good gifts. (laughs) He really does. You ever try to search for that perfect gift at Christmas? I think I finally got it right this year for Romy. I'm a terrible gift giver, but I'm pretty sure I got it right. And I got two gifts, and I think both of them I got right. So I'll let you know, but I'm pretty sure I hit the nail on the head this time. This will be the I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself, but I think this will be the Christmas. But God knows how to give just the right gifts. He knows how to give what it is that we need. He knows what you need. He gave his son he gave of himself. He gave of his spirit. But do you know if I had put all these presents under the tree for Anthony and Lexi, do you know that they still had the choice to go, nah, no thanks. I'm good. And that's the tragedy I see too often. Is it in light of this great gift that God's given us? Some people just go, nah, I'm good. The problem is, no, you're not. And neither am I. I don't have any righteousness. I don't have any goodness. God gave me His because He's the giver. So the only righteousness that I have is not because of the things that I've done. It's because God gave me the gift of His righteousness when I believed in His Son. When I believed that Jesus did come in the flesh When I believe that He is the Son of God, and when I put my hope and my trust in Him, I receive the gift of salvation into my life. I have taken possession of it. I've opened the wrapper. I've opened up the box. I didn't need the gift receipt to return it later. And I just said, God, I receive what it is that you have for me. And as much as Christmas can be about family, it can be about the meal. Can I tell you the greatest gift that you could ever experience at this Christmas time is to receive the one that God's given you? It costs you nothing, but yet it costs you everything. Because we get to give up all of our imperfection to receive His perfection. You don't have to be good, He makes you good. And He wants to adopt you into His family as a son or a daughter, tonight. Can I pray for you tonight? And I actually want to give you the opportunity, if that's the desire of your heart, to receive that gift. This is, this is not the pastor asking you to do something. This is not me trying to get you to join a church or sign up for a meeting or take a 12-step program to salvation. I'm just, I'm, I'm leading you to the tree. It's the same tree I found. It's not another cross. It's the same cross that I found, that Romy found, that many other people did here too. We can't be the gift, but we can lead you to the gift It's available to anybody who wants it. But all it takes is us for, to, for us to surrender ourselves to Him and receive His gift of eternal life. If that's you tonight, I'd love to pray with you. And it's a prayer of asking Jesus into your heart, but really it's receiving the gift that he has for us. And if that's the desire of your heart, then I just want you to pray this prayer with me tonight. I'm going to say the words, and you can repeat the words after me, but I'd love for you to make it your prayer. Because God wants to hear from you. God created you to know him, to be in relationship with him. Okay? So we're going to pray this together. Say, dear Jesus, I need you. Thank you for the gift of salvation that you've given me. I believe that you are the Son of God. I surrender my heart to you. And I receive from you new life. I am a new creation. The old is gone. And the new has come. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Come on. God's good. If you prayed that prayer tonight, maybe for the first time or maybe it's the 20th time, maybe you've done this every Christmas, so what? God loves you. He's not mad at you. He doesn't want to tell you all the things you did wrong. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean that you've got all of life figured out. It just means that you went to the tree and you found life, and he'll help you along the way. And can I encourage you, if you've made that decision, don't just stop at the tree, but understand there's gifts under the tree too. There's a Holy Spirit that's available to you if you'll just invite him in and ask him in. But we've got people here that would love to help you in that decision. If you need to talk to somebody, just say, hey, I prayed that prayer. Can you explain it to me? Help me out. Romy and I will be here as well too and happy to meet with all of you guys. Amen? God is very good. Have a very Merry Christmas. We love you dearly. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.